It's my uh, joy to share with you this morning. Um, as I've been just thinking back on the last couple of months, a lot has transpired personally for us in the last couple of months. But one of great significance last week, my dad uh, passed away and went on to be with the Lord. Um, it's a great, I love him dearly, and it's a great um, pain of, of loss here on the earth, uh, but my mom passed away three years ago, and we knew that, you know, there was that inward sadness that he carried, but he was always present with joy for us and our children, his grandchildren, and um, so we are, in that way, so happy for him in that glorious reunion, um, and, uh, and we were, I just want to boast in our community, we were, in the last week and a half, so surrounded by so many phone calls and text messages and emails and um, and people coming to visit us and helping us. And, um, and so we're so overwhelmed by a real community that's life-giving one to another in our, in our time of need, and, you know, and we need each other. Um, last Sunday, I was here because I just needed to be in the presence, and I was feeling my dad's loss and all. And um, there's a couple, Ricky Pace, he sits here usually in the first service. He didn't know that my dad had passed. He came to me, and he had prayed for us many times, prophesied over us. But this last Sunday, he came and said, can I pray for you? I said, sure, Ricky. And he said, but I want to pray for you as a father. And I want to speak to you the father's heart. And I want you to hear the father. And he kept saying that over and over during his prayer. And he had no clue. So I just let him finish. I'm getting wrecked. And, uh, and he, you know, at the end, I told, him, yeah, I told him that. And he put everything down and gave me a big hug. And you know, it's amazing when we are part of a faith community that even in such a large context as a corporate church like we are, that God is so careful to see and feel everything that we go through. And he has the right you know, response, his, his right words of healing and encouragement uh, for us. And we've been just... Overwhelmed. We had another couple. They started coming here last year, um, Angel and Sandy. And he was my supervisor at Messiah College. And we just ran into each other last year when he started coming. Uh, they came to our house on Friday to help us work on our deck. And then he went out and uh, bought like over $500 worth of uh, deck boards and came to bless us. And, and so many other people that have continued to just show acts of kindness and compassion. Uh, we're really, really floored by that. So while we were working on the deck, Randy and Kathy Schaefer, uh, that most of you, many of you know, they came with like gift basket full of goodies, like fresh made jam and honey. And then the Lord spoke to him to go fishing that morning, on Friday, last Friday morning, and catch five trout for me. And if you're a fisherman, um, you know, in August is not the prime time to go fishing in small creeks. The water level's low. They're not stocking it as much and stuff. So he went and he said, I haven't caught five fish that quick in all my years of fishing. Um, so they came home and on their way, stopped at a, a farm and got fresh picked corn for us and just really overwhelmed us. Flowers, people sending us flowers. So we're really um, thankful for all of that. Rich and Linda Brink later on came that same afternoon with another care package uh, with bread and cheese and wine and all those things. And then we began to pray together. They wanted to pray for us. And at the end of that prayer, she said, what you're experiencing is the mingling of realms. And I'm like, uh, Linda, that's exactly, I haven't been able to say it that way, but that's exactly what I feel. And if you've lost a loved one, that's kind of like the sen your heart is sensitive to eternity like never before. And you're caught in between these two realms and eternity becomes so real. And she said, you're, you're in this, Thin place of the mingling of realms. And um, so we were just 
you know, being washed by kindness. So thank you, everyone. And there are many, many more. Um, so I want to I wanna pay tribute to my dad, uh, Matthew Thomas. That's him. His beautiful smile. I miss him so much. And my dad and mom's prayers is why I'm standing here. Um, part of like our, our legacy and stories that I'm discovering after his death. I knew a lot of them, but some new stories. Um, and the name Thomas comes from the Apostle Thomas, St. Thomas, who traveled to the south of India and, and, uh, and began to preach the gospel. So there's a picture here of, of, the, of the map of India. And in the southwest, that little green strip, that's where, where I come from, Kerala. And that's where St. Thomas came. The major, most of uh, the Christians are, are populated in, in Kerala. And missionaries have gone out, even today, go out from Kerala to other parts of India. Um, so when he came, they converted seven uh, influential families. And our family line traces all the way back to that, to that moment of conversion. And over the years, we've had priests and bishops in the church. Um, and, and, we, and part of our name... Uh, I don't have it in my na- you know, name, but in our tradition, in our culture, is that you have your first name, last name, and sometimes as a middle name or after your last name, there's this identifier. It's almost like your ad- street address, but it's not. It's a description of where kind of like your homestead is, you know, what is it surrounded by, what is like a, you know, landscape uh, around you that identifies where you come from, and so our name for our family is Tatangunil. My grandfather's name is Thomas Tatangunil uh, Matthew. And Tatangunil, the word Tatangunil means family on a hill or a tribe on a hill. And that's how we were known. And, uh, and my great-grandfather on my dad's side and his brothers built a church, an Orthodox church on this hilltop. And it's called after that, uh, after that hilltop. So there's a picture of that church as well. It's a Syrian Orthodox church called St. Peter's and St. Paul's. We're making sure we got everything covered there. Um, it's a beautiful structure. And, I, and we didn't, I knew of our family connection to this church, but I didn't know that we had built the church. Um, so it's, it's amazing. This was 100 years ago that they built this church. And 100 years later, here Sarah and I are, we get to serve on another hilltop here at Life Center. Isn't that amazing? Even without knowing this, our prayer, if we, when we pray weekly for us as a church, my language in prayer every week is, God, I pray, I thank you for this holy hill. I thank you for this holy hilltop that you have chosen, you picked, and all the families that have been added to us. So it just, I'm just overwhelmed by God's design that gets overlapped over us in times that we didn't even, sometimes we didn't even know um, existed. Thank you, Lord. So I just feel in the season, I'm cocooned in between these two realms of heaven and, and, and thinking about that eternal space and the reality for us on, on earth. Charles had posted a um, Venn diagram a few, few weeks ago, and I feel like I'm caught in between where those two lines meet and there's, you know, in a cocoon, God does something special. There's new life and new birth. So I'm, I'm holding on to that thin space and asking the Lord to do all that he wants in, uh, in my life. And out of this place, um, the, the message, and, the, and I have a word of encouragement for us, and the, and the title of this message for this morning is uh, The Faith of Our Fathers. And uh, I don't know if you've ever watched Antique Roadshow. 
Some of you are going like this. I can neither confirm nor deny that I have watched that show, uh, but I may have seen a few scenes. I wasn't even wanting to watch it, but then I was like, I wonder if this has any value. So I'd stay for like three hours later. <laughs> Anybody else? Antique Roadshow? Good. Thank you. Sometimes the things that are, that are, of, you know, have passed through time carries more value. And sometimes we don't even know that we have it. Most of those antiques that people bring, they brought it at a yard sale. Somebody didn't realize the value, sold it for a dollar. They bring it and get like $20,000 out of it, you know? And, and I feel like the faith of our fathers is like that for the modern church. Because we we're not part of an established uh, you know, a traditional church where there's a lot of history that you, you hear about all the time. So it's important for us in this context for us to understand the value of the faith of our fathers so much more so that we can believe and love God even more. You know, in the context that we, that we live in today, all, that hap- all that's kind of swirling around in culture, I feel like a lot of them is directed against the church. You know, I, maybe you, you think differently. But I feel like if, if the culture today can cancel church, they would. If the, if the culture can cancel worship, they would. If they can silence prayers, they would. Because that directly inf- Im- uh, impacts families. And that families then it directly impacts children, which is our next generation. It is vitally important for us to fully be who we are as a faith community chosen by the Lord, appointed by God. We, are, we feel ordinary, you know what I mean? We're not extraordinary people, but God's choosing for us is he calls us a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people. I think I identify with the peculiar part more than the other one. <laughs> but that's his, when he looks at us, we are at a much higher elevated state of being than we often are experiencing in our life. You know, for, for me, I have natural inheritance in both sides of my family and even Sarah's side of her family. A- anyone here, if you have known inheritance, and by inheritance, I don't mean like missionaries or pastors or evangelists, just people who love God, raise your hand. If you know that in your family line, there's righteous inheritance, go and put it up higher. Just look around the room as your hands are up. Look at the witness of how much has gone, you can put your hands up, how much has transpired before you being, us being part of this community, how many years of faithfulness is working on our behalf that we're sitting here together. And if you don't have known family inheritance, I think there's someone hidden somewhere in your family line. Because we're not, we can't just exist out of nowhere. There's somebody, there's a righteous seed of inheritance somewhere in your family land. And if for whatever reason there isn't one, you get to be the pioneer of faith for the generations to come. Come on. So as we live our faith life here on the earth, in church, with our family, wherever God is, God has planted us. As we live this out faithfully, this is important for us to understand. We are not alone. As a church, we are not alone as a church. We're not alone as a family. I'm not alone as an individual. We're not alone and we're not without hope. 
God has filled us with all hope. It says, this hope we have as an anchor for our soul. That means it's meant to steady us in any season, in every, any circumstance of life. Anytime that you pray, there are prayers of generations that begin to come near you and begin to rise like incense along with your words. Every time we sing a song, the ancient song of the Lord begins to swirl around us and we get caught up in the greater purpose and the greater work and plan of God in our lives. Every time we gather, we are not just just physical, carnal people, carnal in the sense, earthly gathering. There is angelic hosts that come and sit with us and partner with us in this gathering. When we pray for our church every week, we pray for the perimeter of this, of this property and we ask for angels to be like ushers that will bring us into another realm with God. Every time you drive up that, that hill, you're coming into the under the influence of something totally much bigger than us, God's divine purposes. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. It's a good place to be in together. So every time we believe the Lord, for healing, you're not believing alone. Every time you believe the Lord for provision, you're not believing alone. Every time you believe for breakthrough, you are not believing alone. There is a lineage of faith that rises and stands with you when we walk with the Lord. Thank you, Lord. We're not alone. And we're not without hope. There are oracles of the prophets that are speaking on our behalf right now. The decrees of kings of old are speaking on our behalf, the teachings of the apostles are crying out to us. The acts of the first century church is speaking, testimonies of their lives are speaking on our behalf today. There are many monastic movements, the Desert Fathers of Egypt, the Celtic spirituality, Waldensian movements. The Waldensians were the, the, the pre-Reformation missionaries in the northwest of, west of Italy. We've been to some of those places and, and asked the Lord for an inheritance from some of these wells of, of revival. And we are not alone. We have joined together with what has happened. So when we pray for our nation today, we're not an island praying as if we don't have hope, as if we don't know. We know the answer. God is fully in control. God has our destiny because through from the beginning of time until now, the church and the people of God have prevailed no matter what has come and gone. Kingdoms have risen and fallen. Kings have risen and fallen. Caesar rose up and all we have left of him is a Caesar salad. But the people of God, the purposes of God are like a thread that never loses its pace, never loses its stride, and it waits until it can be fulfilled generation after generation after generation. And we get to stand up and say, hey, it's my turn. It's my turn. It's our turn. Life Center is our turn. Now, in 2021, 2020, nothing. Here we are. In the presence of the Lord, believing God for all that he has for us. Historic orthodoxy, out of those monastic movements, historic orthodoxy throughout centuries have carried the treasured name of Christ. I love the Catholic Church. I love the Orthodox Church. I grew up in the Syrian Orthodox Church. A dream of, of, that, of that altar and the incense have marked my life. We had a, we had a, a, a priest 
from who was who ministered on Mount Athos. It was one of a monastic community. It's one of the Greek islands. He lived across the street from us, and I would go and visit with him. He was a sage. I felt like I was in a different time zone when I was with him. So he was retired and now lived in the mountains right across in front of our house. He spoke very little English, but I sat with him wanting to hear, you know, I knew he knew the Lord and loved the Lord. He wore a black gown and a hat and cross and everything. And, and in broken, broken English, he told me, you know, he, I asked him if he would come and speak to our school of students. And he said, I've, I've served all of these years. And he says, these last years of my life are just for the Lord and me. And he said, you know, these things, what he's wearing, this, all of this means nothing if this doesn't love God. I'm like, come on, I love you. And not just the established Orthodox communities, the, the, the sheer testimonies of saints through the ages. Ordinary people like you and I, but called to be royal priesthood before the Lord. Our stories speak. My stories speak to you. Your stories speak to me. We speak to each other and encourage each other that God is real and is at work in our lives. I feel like the Orthodox Church, the Catholic Church, I'm in love with it all. I'm a Catholic when I think of Catholic Church. I'm an Orthodox when I think of Orthodox. I'm a Baptist when I think about the Baptist. I'm a Methodist when I think about the Methodist. I'm a Presbyterian when I think about, I, if Jesus, I'm evangelical, if I'm thinking, if Jesus is in it, I'm part of it. This is a church. This is a body of Christ. And I feel like the established churches will have a significant role in the end time revival. From the Russian Orthodox to the Greek Orthodox to the Syrian Orthodox to the, to the Ethiopian, the Egyptian Coptic Church and the Ethiopian Orthodox Church, Indian, there's just like this, this sweeping traditions that are still alive, a test that, that lasted the test of time over centuries. We get to be a part of all of that. Even if we don't know much about it, we get to be a part of it. Thank you, Lord. So Romans 8.28 says that all things work together for good to those who, are, who, are, who love God and are called according to his purpose. And often when we read that passage, we think it's a static reality, all things meaning all things of my life or all things of our church or all things here that I can see and engage with. That's true, but it doesn't end there. When scriptures say all things, it means all things. It means from the beginning of time, anything that has been good and is of God is now working on our behalf. It means a historic church, the prayers of the saints are speaking to us right now. That their, that their incense is still rising to the Lord as we come in. We come in in line with all of those things that have happened before us. We're not alone. We are not alone. We have an amazing inheritance and we have an awesome destiny. Thank you, Lord. So every prayer that you pray, it is holy unto the Lord. It is not a feeble God. I don't even know where you are. Hannah, when she prayed to the Lord, she asked the Lord for a son. It was a mother's prayer. Any mothers here have prayed for their children? When Hannah prayed, she didn't ask for something high and lofty. She was embarrassed because in the culture she was barren and that was shameful. She said, please take away that shame and give me a son. And if you give me a son, I will give him to your service. But the Lord sees not from a microscopic lens of Hannah's prayer. When her prayer came up to the Lord, the Lord stepped back and said, I can do a lot more with that prayer. 
Just because that prayer came up to him, he said, oh, I can use this. And he gave her not just a son, he gave her the first prophet of Israel. Come on. This is my God. And this is our inheritance with him, that he does so much more. All those things are working for our good. Nothing is wasted in God. Nothing is wasted in him. When we step into this as you pray for your children, as you pray for your future, your career, for your physical needs, provision, whatever you pray for on a weekly basis, whenever you step in and believe the Lord, that arena of faith is never empty. You will never step into an arena of faith that is empty and, the, and your voice is just like ricocheting from the walls. That, that arena is filled, 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 filled with the witness of the, of, the, of the faith of our fathers and mothers that have gone before us. And oftentimes, I have considered that cloud of witness being in the bleachers or in the balcony or in the grandstands watching me on the floor of the, of the, of the arena. But in the last couple of weeks, as I've been considering my parents, I began to have a new vision as I stepped into the arena to believe the Lord, I saw the faith of my fathers right there with me. They were not witnessing, but they were engaging with me in the moment. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. So if you have your Bibles, turn to Hebrews 11. We'll stay here for, for, for a good bit. Hebrews 11 begins with the definition of faith, and we won't spend time there. We know that passage. But I want us to, to declare it into the atmosphere here. Because the, after the definition, a majority of the, of the verses in Hebrews 11 is the testimonies of the saints. Testimonies of our fathers and mothers who've gone before us. And each of them, each of those lines begin with the statement, by faith. And would you participate with me? by prophesying and declaring into the atmosphere, as we honor those stories, we're saying, God, let it be here now among us. So I'm gonna do the hard work and read those lines. All you have to do is in the beginning, when I, I'll help you, this will be your cue. You just have to shout, with faith, by faith. Are you with me? Let's try it. By faith, Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice. By faith, Enoch was taken away so that he did not see death. By faith, Noah, being divinely warned of things not yet seen, moved with godly fear. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to the place which he would receive as an inheritance. By faith, Sarah herself also received strength to conceive seed. By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. By faith, Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau concerning things to come. By faith, Jacob, when he was dying, blessed each of his sons of Joseph, sons of Joseph and worshiped. By faith, Joseph, when he was dying, made mention of the departure of the children of Israel. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden three months by his parents because they saw that he was beautiful. And they were not afraid of the king's command. 
Are you ready? It goes on. By faith, Moses forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king. By faith, Israel passed through the Red Sea as by dry land. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they were encircled for seven days. By faith, the harlot Rahab also did not perish with those who did not believe. And it goes on to say, what more shall I say? For time would fail me to talk about Gideon and Barak and Samson and Jephthah and Daniel and all the prophets. There's so many more heroes and giants and fathers and mothers of the faith that's that they didn't have time to write and describe all of them in detail. But this is our inheritance. All of them believe the Lord in their time of life on the earth by faith. Having not seen, they believe the Lord fully. We don't see things fully, but we get to believe fully. I'll say that again. You don't have to see things fully in order to believe fully. Thank you, Lord. Is that you, Jesus? If it's you, tell me to come out. That was Peter's extraordinary request before he did one of the most amazing things a man has ever done. You don't have to know it all. You don't have to comprehend it all in order to believe fully in God. And the passage goes on about their triumphs of faith, who through faith subdued kingdoms, work righteousness, obtained promises, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, turned to flight the armies of aliens, and, and on and on, the amazing testimonies of those giants of the faith. But in the same breath, it says, of the trials of faith, others, it says, were tortured. Still others had trials of mockings and scourgings, and yes, of chains and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn in two, they were tempted, they were slain with a sword, they wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, and torn. This is part of the revelation of the faith of our fathers. Not just in the testimony of what was amazing, but also in the struggle and the, and the trials and the difficulties. That we know him in both. God has, wants to take full control of all of our language, all of the narrative of our life, whether we have or we have not. That's what Paul said. Whether I know how to abound and how to abase. Whether we're going through a difficult season or we're going through an amazing season of our lives. God said, I want it all. I want that season of your life. I want that season of your life. I want this circumstance of your life. I want your life all together to be the narrative of faith in us. So that when we struggle, it's not God, where are you? We get closer to him and he gets closer to us. And we do not give the enemy any room to have access into our lives. My victories are the Lord's. My struggles and pain are the Lord's as well, equally. And after this description, it says this about them in verse 38, of whom the world was not worthy. What an awesome identity of these heroes, fathers of the faith. The world was not worthy. It's in, it's in, it's in contrast to us. We're called for the world, to the world. God so loved the world. But when we rise up and respond to the Lord, he sees us and says, this is holy unto me. This is holy and set apart unto the Lord, of which, of whom, the world is not worthy. The world is not worthy of you. The world is not worthy of the purity of our faith to God. And in that humility, we go 
and share the glory, like the vision that the young man had, that we go with him, and then he sends us back here to glow like the stars. Thank you, Lord. Verse 39, all these, having obtained a good testimony through faith, did not receive the promise. So all of these fathers of the faith, the faith of our fathers, all of them believed the Lord, obtained a good testimony, was accounted to them for righteousness, like Charles said during communion. But they did not receive the promise. What is a promise? Is Christ himself is a fulfillment of every promise that has ever been spoken on the earth. They obtained a good testimony, but did not receive the promise. And, the, and, and after taking much of the space in this chapter, talking about the faith of our fathers and the fathers of our faith, you think it's the whole chapter is about them. You think the focus is their lives. In part it is, but it's an invitation for us. The very last verse of Hebrews chapter 11 is this. God having provided something better for us that they may not be made perfect apart from us. I mean, if I were to read, read, read that list of people, any two or three, any one of them, in any circumstance in my life, and I'll be good, set for life. But all of them put together, God says, God has now provided something better for us, meaning in Christ that we walk in, that they, their stories, their testimonies, what they believe for may not be made perfect apart from us. That means we step into the fulfillment of the trajectory of the faith of our fathers, things that will never fall to the ground without finding completion in one of our lives. This is our inheritance. We are not alone, isolated on an island here trying to survive. We have trajectory after trajectory after trajectory of the lives of the faith of our fathers coming toward us. We just need to make ourselves available and say, God, here I am. Use me. Bam. You get hit with things that you didn't even know. A hundred years later, we're realizing we've been walking in that inheritance all along. How much more for us? Thank you, Lord. How much more in him? God having provided something better for us that they may not be made perfect apart from us. It's a staggering invitation. Abraham, Isaac, Moses, Daniel, Mohsen, Abu Mohsen. We get to stand right along with them. Look at your neighbor and says, you get to stand with them. So what's our response to this amazing invitation of God to join this awesome lineage of faith? What is our rightful response? This has been an apostolic word for us. Charles has been trumpeting it and declaring it over the last couple of months. Our rightful, right response to God in this invitation to join that lineage is arise, shine. That in this hour, at this time, we as a church are called to arise and shine. I don't know what is ahead, but between now and the return of Jesus, things are going to get worse. That's my re revelation study. That's all I know about revelation. Between now and then, things are going to get worse, but we're going to get brighter. Come on. 
Things are gonna get worse. It's gonna get more chaotic and we are gonna get more defined and more glorious. This vision that this young man had is part of what God is gonna do with us. He's gonna bring us up and get caught us up into the heavenly realm and send us back so we can glow and shine even more. This is our destiny. Thank you, Lord. Every era of church suffers trials and tribulations, but in all of those eras, in all of those time periods, the church, family, small gatherings, small groups, always at one point begins to rise up to the occasion and become fully who we were called to be. So our response to arise, shine, may not look or, or feel like the way we think. It may not be bright lights and glamour. Are you okay with that? It may not be Instagram following and celebrity status, which I personally love. The Instagram following, celebrity. <laughs> it may not look like a mega church. Are, you, are we okay with that? But arise, shine in this hour may look like this. It may look like hidden, years of hidden obscurity so that the brilliance of God may be formed inside of us. Everything precious that is formed in nature involves a cocoon, involves a shell, involves a hidden place. So that brilliant thing that is mind-boggling can be formed. That's what the Holy Spirit's work is in us. Arise, shine may look like a place where broken hearts are healed. Arise, shine may look like a place where captives are liberated. Arise, shine may look like years of anchoring in truth so that we can walk in the liberty that we have in Christ. And the truth, knowing the knowledge of truth, will set us free when we need to be free. So that we can walk in that liberty. Arise, shine may look like us stepping into the faith of all of our fathers, the trajectory of all of their promises falling upon us as we rise to the occasion to arise and shine, to fulfill mandates, to fulfill missions, to fulfill movements that are bigger than us so that we have something to pass on to the next generation. If it's only contained in my ability, that's a poor inheritance that I pass on to my children. I am preparing God, do something bigger in me. Come on, attempt something so great for God that unless he intervenes, you're bound to fail. Attempt things in your life so grand that unless God intervenes into the walking out of those plans, you will utterly fail. That's when you know we've begun walking and experiencing this faith journey with God. The history that undergirds us, the history of faith, leads us to the continual unfolding of the mystery of God that surrounds us. The phenomenal history of faith that undergirds our lives and gives us confidence to stand no matter what is shaking all around us. That confidence, that history, sure revelation of God continually unfolds the mysterious swirls of God in our lives today. The mysterious plans of God revealed in us. Thank you, Lord. The Abrahamic covenant, when God spoke the covenant to Abraham, just a picture of one of those trajectories. When he spoke to Abraham, he said, I will make you, in Genesis 12, 2 and 3, I will make you a great nation. I will bless you. 
I will make your name great and you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, curse whom who curses you, and in you all the families of the earth will be blessed. So this was a promise spoken to Abraham. God could have said, I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna bless the, the earth. I'm gonna do amazing things on the earth and just invited Abraham, do you wanna come along with me? That's not what he said. I've chosen you. In you, And so Abraham began to walk it out in part along with the nation of Israel that came after him. But it wasn't fulfilled in them until Jesus steps on the scene, who is a fulfillment of all of those things. He steps on the scene, gets baptized in the Jordan, goes through the desert, and then he begins to teach in the synagogues, go to the synagogues. And then he went to Nazareth and entered his home synagogue. And it was his turn his lot to read that morning. And when the scroll was opened before him, he read from Isaiah 61, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord, to comfort all who mourn. And it goes on and on and on. What was spoken to Abraham centuries ago, all of a sudden, Jesus steps into the scene and he reads this passage, returns the scroll to the attendant, sits in the seat of Moses, and he says, today, in your hearing, these scriptures are fulfilled. There are some moments in our lives that we, aren't, we need to be aware of the bigger plan coinciding with our little life, and we get to say, God, do it, do it more in me, do it more in me. The reason he chose Israel is not because they were, in Deuteronomy, it's not because they were great in number, because they were a feeble nation, small in number, not mighty, military power. And he says, so that anything good that comes from you, people will know that it was me. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. So he's reading this passage from Isaiah 61, but you have to imagine that he's not reading it out of context. In the tradition in synagogues, even to this day, there's a prescribed reading of scriptures week after week after week. And they read through the Torah re readings every year. And when they're done, they celebrate with the ceremony called Simchat Torah, the joy of scriptures. And they go back to Genesis and start reading again for the next year. So it's prescribed readings every, you can log online and get, get it in your, on your phone or by email, the prescribed reading from the synagogues. And so when Jesus read Isaiah 61 that week, you have to understand that the week before, he was sitting in the back of the synagogue when they were reading Isaiah 60. He was sitting as one of them, one among them, and they read these verses from Isaiah 60. Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. For behold, darkness shall cover the earth and deep darkness the people, but the Lord will arise over you and his glory will be seen. Can you imagine Jesus sitting in the back of the synagogue, knowing that the trajectory of, of heaven, trajectory of the fathers and the promises of God for the earth are upon him. And now there's a mandate from the word of God to him saying, arise, shine. Can you imagine what that week was for Jesus that next week he gets up when he got up, that was him arising and shining for them in that moment, fulfilling what was spoken, the trajectory that was spoken to his life. What if we are a church called? 
to arise and shine in the same way. Called to have that confidence that's only in him, not in our ability. God, you've called us. Here we are. Use us. To the ends of the earth, use us. Exponentially increase all that we can do. Thank you, Lord. And as darkness begins to increase, for behold, darkness shall cover the earth and deep darkness the people. So when we see things falling apart around us, you know when there's a play, there's always cues for different actors to step on the stage, right? When we have our service, we, you don't know there's a, the background scene. We all know who goes where, who, who gets up when, and, you know, for the communion and all. The, we have cues that, you know, it's inside language, certain look, <laughs> certain nod. So the nod and the cue for us to shine brighter is when things get darker. Not just regular dark, that we know. Deep dark, gross darkness shall cover the earth. But the Lord will arise over you and his glory will be seen upon you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Come on, stand to your feet. The faith of our fathers are beckoning, they're calling out to us today. And if we read on in this passage, continue to read on, it says, Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witness, let's lay aside every weight that, of sin that easily ensnares us, and let's run with endurance the race that is set before us. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. So many of, many of the, the families here are new. And one of the things that we love about our way of life and our way of gathering is the altar, the ministry and the opportunity of the altar. This is an opportunity for you to respond, not to me personally, but to respond or to anyone who's speaking, but to respond to the word of God. If there's a stirring in your heart, I align with that. God, I want to respond. This is, our, this is a, a simple way for us to say, God, yes, that's me. I want it. I have a, our dear friends of ours from Ethiopia, Mesmore. I learned this from him. Anytime he would feel excitement in the atmosphere, worship, or maybe he would go, and just like, and I saw him the first time, I'm like, I want that too. I don't know what it is. And now that we do that, Matt and I, we do that a lot. So our, our call to, to the altar is for us to have an opportunity. God, I want to be part. I want to step in line. I want to get up and get in line with that amazing lineup that you considered my name, our names, to be a part of that. Is that awesome? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. So if you've been contending for things in your life, I don't, it doesn't matter what it is, the altar is open. I want to invite you to come forward. Thank you, Lord. You've been waiting, believing God, and asking the Lord for things in your life, and you haven't seen them. Uh, the altar is open for you to come forward and say, God, here I am. I'm not asking in vain. I'm not asking isolated, without knowing, without hope. Thank you, Lord. No matter how simple the situation or how matter grave the situation is in your life, God is able to, in a moment, transform, redeem your life and connect you. If you felt isolated, you can be part of an amazing family. You can be part of an amazing church. But if you felt yourself isolated and asking God, God, where are you? Come up to the front. Line up. You're, as you come up, you're lining up with the giants of faith. 
You're lining up with the fathers of our faith. Thank you, Lord. Couples who are believing for a child. Thank you, Lord. You haven't been able to conceive and you're asking the Lord for breakthrough. There is a grace for you this morning. If it's your first child or if it's another child you're believing for, there's grace for you this morning. Thank you, Lord. Because he will do exceedingly, abundantly more than we could ask or imagine. Children are a blessing from the Lord. And because we line up together this morning and join with the inheritance of generations past, you must bear fruit. You must have children. Not one, but many in order that that lineage of faith can rush through you unto me, into many more. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. If you're believing for healing in your body, I know we, we prayed it out during, during worship. Come up. We pray for Ricardo as you come up. We stand on behalf of him who is not here. We're believing for a breakthrough. We're believing for a miracle. What God did in Tiffany and John's life, he is faithful to do it again. They're living testimonies. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Relationships that have been strained or broken, God in a moment is able to pour his sweet healing balm over I have experienced it. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Ministry team, feel free to just begin to move through. There's no situation that the mighty right hand of God is short that he can't save you. Isaac, God loves you. I'm declaring it in the hearing of everyone here. Your life matters to God. Your life is valuable. He will heal you and set you on high because he knows your name. He loves who you are. Thank you, Lord. Businesses, if there's been difficulty in your business, come on. Come on, there's favor in God for businesses. Not to operate just by way of natural commerce, but that we would step into the stream of the inheritance of God that's much bigger than us. His finances, his accounting is exponential. Exponential. He doesn't add, he multiplies. Thank you, Lord. God, I thank you that every family here is precious in your sight. Every story here is tender and dear to you all of our lives. He knows it all together. We're going to worship a little longer. The Lord is really doing a beautiful work for many. But I want to bless you if you need to go to dismiss you. Go with the anchor of the hope of God. Go connected fully to the rich inheritance of the faith of our fathers that we will never be alone. Go with this near presence of God and may he fulfill all his plans and your desires in him. In Jesus' name, go in peace. Stay at the altars. Linger and worship as long as you need to.